Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we're being given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. I am super excited about today because not only did I read the book in two days, I just couldn't put this book down, but it's an honor to actually speak to this beautiful woman. She's a author. She's a best-selling author of a book called Walk Beside Me, which is amazing. And the link will be available in my podcast. Um, she's also a motivational speaker. She's a Fox radio announcer. She's a, hum- a humanitarian around the world, but also uh, she was a supermodel or, you know, national and international model, but I think she's a supermodel, but I think she's a superstar because when I read her story, and I think it is about her story, um, I was really touched on how amazing this woman is who went through breast cancer. So with having said that, welcome, Christine. Hi, so happy to be here. All the way from oh, Miami, Florida. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry, say that again, because I, I cut you out. Uh, I said, I'm happy to be here all the way from Miami, Florida. Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting us know. Can you see um, this is our this is our winter attire that I'm wearing yeah. here today. I'm all summer attire. <laughs> I know, but Miami are uh, the place of so many amazing people. Um, yeah. Our mentor, Tony Robbins, is in Miami or in yeah. Florida. Yes. Um, so every time he mentions it, don't worry, I, I get upset about that too. But <laughs> he's amazing. But yeah, I want to, uh, first of all, yes. So as I said, I didn't get to ask you this. And I think this is, you know, this is, this is real when I ask this question, but I did read this book and I wanted to know how much of this book is based on Christine. <laughs> like we're talking 10%. 20%, 99. <laughs> um, it's actually very accurate. Um, we, we changed the cities and the names. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. So, yeah. and we did that just to protect a few people, but in general, the story is my own. In fact, I hired an independent company to help me with, you know, the accuracy of it. And so we took, um, interviews from 28 of the people that helped me and we took those transcripts and we put it also into the book meaning every email that is in the book every text that's in the book is actually from that's true yeah wow that's just that's what I mean it was just it's it's just so amazing because uh, you know you start the book and I don't want to give too much away but you start the book on one part of your journey in life and then you you go you know it was like wow And then you go on to another part of your journey in life and you're thinking, no, this can't be happening to this, you know, this amazing woman. It can't be happening. And then the third part happens and you're like, I know that we say that our problems are never as big as anyone else's because there's someone who's got bigger problems or someone who's got smaller problems than us. But it's quite funny how you say that if we all put our own, you know, problems in a jar, you'd take your own back. And I thought it's crazy how this is just so, you know, this is amazing how you've gone through all of these things and you've come out on the other end. And I think, wow. uh, And that's why I love reading books like this. It's not just the book. For me, it's like you told me your story. 
You mm. told me your story. And I had a feeling that, of course, you know, you've changed names and things like that for yeah. the privacy. Um, but when I was, it was funny because I was telling my husband, I'm reading it and I'm like, <laughs> I, at one stage I'm reading the book and I'm saying to my husband, oh, this can't be happening to this poor lady. <laughs> this, can't be ha- this can't be real. This can't be real because it was just so touching. But obviously we're here to talk about the last part of your journey, which was, you know, diagnosed with breast cancer. So if you want to just sort of talk a little bit about that, um, obviously, you know, you, you say that you felt something and going forward from there. So just share your story. Okay. Well, we could be here all night, but I'll share a little good, bit. Good, Yeah. <laughs> The beauty, I think, of my book and the beauty of my story is that I'm very vulnerable in sharing it. And what I mean by that is so often we say, oh, yeah, I've been diagnosed with cancer and look at all these people that helped me. And and it's such a beautiful tale. But we don't really share the really intimate parts where it's really messy and really muddy, and really uncomfortable and very vulnerable. And so I feel like by me and my storytelling with it in the book or on social media, and interviews and however I can. And the reason people resonate is because their stories are messy. Their stories are painful. And, and it takes somebody like me, I think as a public figure and somebody that was completely addicted to what they look like, because I was a model my whole life Mm -hmm. to lose my completely my identity and to rebound from that with this, you know, I call it post-traumatic wisdom where it didn't take me, right? And there were moments in my book and in my journey where I thought it would, not just from chemotherapy, but you know, from the from my arm and the bully that the doctor and and just from the dysfunction that I was living in and the and the the pain, the suffering after suffering. And I think that's also unique of my story is because it wasn't just breast cancer. I was going through tra- two traumatic events at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I was basically scheduling chemos between arm surgeries and mastectomies between arm surgeries. And, you know, I was faced with almost losing my right arm because of a doctor's, you know, mm-hmm. malpractice. And so when I was diagnosed with cancer, which is what I think you were referring to in the beginning of the podcast is I was desperate. Because my life was dependent on external. My life was dependent on what people could see. And my life wasn't rooted in what was inside, which was who I was. And I didn't even know who I was. And so it really forced me, right? When you lose your hair and you lose your identity. And for me, I lost my career at the time, which was modeling. And you really have to look inside and go, wait, who am I? And that was a really scary process for me because I had no idea. And I was 40 years old. And I also had never, I didn't have any contemporaries that had breast cancer. It came out of nowhere. I didn't have the gene. I didn't have any uh, genetic predisposition for it. And so it was such a, um, it was like a terrifying journey for me in so many ways. And I was in pain from my arm. And so, you know, that really pushed me against a wall that I was like not willing to to rebound from. Mm. And so when you get pushed against a wall, you're not willing to rebound from, you have to go through some really emotional gymnastics. And for me, it was like trying to climb out of, you know, a, a tunnel by myself. And it, and at the time I was also very prideful in a way that I didn't want to ask for help because I thought I wasn't worthy of help. Mm-hmm. And I think most of my issues in my life were dependent on self-esteem issues. So you know, you have to read the book to figure out what I'm talking about my arm. But when that doctor was bullying me with my arm, I should have seen a second doctor, but I was, but my self-esteem was wrapped up into, oh no, he's the authority. He's the one, he went to medical school. I didn't, I trusted authority and I I trusted them over myself. And I think that's one fatal mistake we wait, we make as women in particular, and because we're taught that we have to trust authority and authority is a medical doctor. And so I dismissed my own feelings and that stems from self-esteem. And once I started to go through chemotherapy and I had people stand up for me and stand for me, which is a courage net, yeah. you know, we all, we all have to have a, a certain amount of courage, but we can't depend on only our courage. But if you have people in your camp and you have people that are you know, walking through journeys with you, that's called a courage net. At least that's what I call it. Yeah. And that's what I try to teach people now. 
like you can, especially during COVID, like we can try to get through this by ourselves, but it ain't going to happen. Absolutely. You know, we're going to have those desperate thoughts. We're going to have those suicidal thoughts. But the pride, the self-esteem is what trips us up. Mm. And That's so I, I not only rebuilt my self-esteem, but my friends, by walking through this journey, mm. journey with me, they rebuilt my self-esteem. They poured into me. And mm. so my best advice for people, and I, and I preach this all the time. And if you follow me on social media, you know, I say it every single day, lean into somebody today, text somebody today, write to somebody today, call somebody today, FaceTime somebody today, because you don't know what moments people are in and people are desperate. And mm. we, we may look like we're not, and we may put on this fake facade, which I did for 41 years. Um, but that's just a self-esteem issue too. Yeah. You know, yeah. When we care more about what society thinks of us, mm -hmm. than what we think of us, that's yeah. a self-esteem issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. So Especially that's why, you know, so really listening to your story where you say, and, and it's, you know, where you say the doctor, you know, yeah, I'm all about get a second opinion. I'm screaming at the book, get a second opinion. It's a tragedy. No, my, my arm is a tragedy. And also I live in chronic pain. I've been in, mm. I've been in pain for 10 years because of it. And so it's a daily reminder to me. Wow. But that's the other thing. Like we have to heal ourselves and without my faith, I don't know yeah. how I would have ever forgiven this person because I can't, I don't want to carry that backpack. I don't want yeah. to carry him and the anger of what he did to me into my daily life. And so I forgave him a long time ago because that's a burden for me. Mm. You know, when, we, when we carry that kind of anger and that hostility, that's a burden. The only person that hurts. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But yeah, like, yeah, like you said, you know, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't sit here and talk evil of doctors right. that have done me wrong or anything like that, because you know what, like you said in the beginning, this is someone who, when he, they studied, they did the courses, they did all the years of, you know, becoming a doctor right. and they know better than us. Yeah, You know, it's like when you go to a doctor's office and they say, oh, you know, oh, who's the doctor, you or me? Well, you know what? Sometimes the patient is the doctor because, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. your body, yeah, you know, yeah. you you know your body more than anyone, anyone, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and that's yeah. what was amazing. Um, so with, you said that, okay, so you, you did, um, you did the chemo, you called it the red devil, which was the first time I heard that name. Was it the Red Devil? Did I say that right? Oh yeah. yes, 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 yes. Now I've I've actually interviewed another lady who, not just one, but so many people because I didn't do chemo myself or radiation. Yeah. Um, but what happened with so many women I speak to, they do mention the first four are just lethal. Grace, oh. you don't understand. They kill oh. you. Da 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 da. But it was the first time you actually <laughs> named it something, and I thought. Oh, that must be that one that they all talk about, you know. So if you want to sort of talk a little bit about that, if it's okay. Um, yeah. So how did how did you go through that? Oh, that's a very good question. So again, I went through it with another illness at the same time. And so my arm and the infection in my arm that had been in my arm for seven months before I was diagnosed with cancer, I was already, my hair was thinning and I was, I was losing weight. And it was because my body was trying to fight this infection that was undiagnosed. And so when I went into chemo, I was so depleted because of this infection in my arm that actually, let me go back. I had to postpone, I didn't postpone. My doctors postponed chemo for a month, one month. Oh, yeah. Because because the grafts, the bone grafts and the cadaver bone in my arm would have dissolved. Mm -hmm. And so my, my right arm would have literally had to be taken off because mm -hmm. my right arm is a bone graft. It's an Achilles, uh, a cadaver Achilles tendon. It's a cadaver bone and it's also got bone grafts. And so to postpone chemotherapy, like I wanted the cancer out, right? And then for somebody to say to you, you can't even start chemotherapy because you have this infection and, and we have to get rid of that first. It's shocking because you, you want to go into this mode of like, get it out, get it out, get it out. And then to stop and pause was a whole nother like gigantic barrier for me throughout my journey. And so once I was able to start chemotherapy, my body was so depleted already that I really struggled through not just the first four but there were three or four nights where I wasn't not right in the beginning, but one month into it or two months into it or three months into it where I was afraid that I wasn't going to wake up the next morning. Wow. Now I went through chemotherapy for 15 months. Yes. Wow. 
15 months is a long time. Wow. But did you, can I ask what, uh, what stage were you diagnosed at? I was two, um, level three. So okay. it was the most aggressive. Um, but it was, my tumor was, I think 2.4 on the scale. So well, it was yeah. on one, your left wasn't one it? Side. Left. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so you did the chemo and then after you had to, so you've gone through 15 months of chemo, I'm just trying to understand, like, as I said, because I could talk about me till the cows come home, (laughs) but it's not going to help my listeners and my viewers. Um, But why is it that after you did the chemo, they decided to do the mastectomy? Well, I, okay, so when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was trying to buy some time to start chemo, they did a lumpectomy right away. Mm -hmm. But because my cancer was so aggressive, I had a choice. I could either do a mastectomy or radiation. So I could have left, no. I could have left the lumpectomy alone, but then I would have had to do radiation and I didn't mm-hmm. want to do radiation. I wanted to do the mastectomy and it's just yeah. a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I did the mastectomy, I did chemo and then I did the mastectomy after chemo. And then eventually I did the other side because I was trying to be proactive so that it didn't go to the other side. Mm. And, but I don't think you know this about my story. I last year, especially since you just read the book, you yeah. well, so last oh, summer, well, about a year, a year, well, actually two years ago. Yeah. Um, in 2006, let me go back in 2016, I had the other side mastectomy. And so they went in and they put these new implants in and the implants were supposed to adhere to the skin because I, when you have an empty breast cavity, mm-hmm. those implants, they move around and they hurt. Well, at least yeah. they hurt. Mm-hmm. And so in 2016, they had these new implants and they were rigid and they would, you know, adhere to the skin and it wouldn't be so uncomfortable. And it was, it was, it helped a lot with the pain. But unfortunately, those implants were recalled because they were causing breast cancer. And so in 2019, I got a phone call from my plastic surgeon. I'm driving down the street, going to pick up my son from school. And my plastic surgeon goes, well, I know we haven't talked in four years, but we have to take those implants out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, the FDA just, they recalled them. You don't have to do it right now. You can wait some time. And so I waited until my son graduated from high school. And that was a year. And after my son graduated from high school and he was in college, I thought, okay, I can do it now. I can swap them out. It's not going to be a big deal. So I had the surgery and they removed the breast implants that were recalled and they replaced them with normal breast implants. And I loved my implants. I loved my implants. I, I mm. thought it was one of the prizes of breast cancer. I was like, mm. you know, my breasts weren't very pretty to begin with. And, and so this is nice. I like them. They don't move and they're, they're, you know, the right size. And I didn't go bigger, but they were just, they were yeah. just. Pretty. Yeah. And so during that surgery where they swapped them out, I got an infection. And oh. I was on antibiotics for a couple months and that seemed to make the infection go away. And then in March of 2020, when COVID hit and the whole world shut down, I woke up one day and I went for a walk because I walk every day. And I sat down after my walk and I was working on my computer because I work all the time. And I, I felt this little itch in my left breast. And I was like, I totally ignored it. And about two hours later, it felt like there was bees stinging my breast. Oh, wow. And so I went into my closet and I took off my sweaty clothes and I looked at my breast and my breast, just the left breast was bright red, like oh. it's like a red apple. And so I texted a picture of my breast to my oncologist and to my breast surgeon. Both of them called me immediately and said, get to the hospital and don't stop at red lights. So I drive myself to the emergency room. Now there's nobody in the hospital at the time because First of all, they have like a door with a person that's blocking the door to get into the <laughs> room because they, they've called off all elective surgeries in the entire United yeah. States mm-hmm. and there's nobody there. And everybody's looking at me like, you know, does she have COVID? <laughs> I think, they, they say to me at the, at the front door, they're like, oh, do you have a fever? I was like, probably. <laughs> and they're like, well, do you feel sick? A little. But I, I mean, I, I knew I didn't have COVID, but they're asking all these ridiculous questions. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to take up my shirt and show you what's going on under here, but yeah. you need to let me in the hospital. Yeah. So I finally get in and my surgeon met me there. And 
he admitted me immediately and I had a staph infection. I was in the hospital for five days, five wow. days, five days in a hospital where they had COVID patients, never got COVID. Touch they, wood. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was crazy because I, I go to school too. I get I'm getting my master's degree at Harvard. Mm. I had a presentation I had to do that week that I was in the hospital. And so I did it from the hospital room. I also had a speaking event that I was a keynote speaker for. I did it from my hospital bed. So my life continued, even though I was in the hospital for a staph infection, because what are you going to do? Like after all the illnesses I've had, you can either completely shut down, which most people probably would have, or you can just keep going and go, okay, well, I have an IV in my arm and I've got an infection, but I'm still going to do this presentation. I'm still going to be the keynote speaker. I'm not quitting on myself. And so they sent me home with a pick line. I don't know if you know what a pick line is, but it's super uncomfortable. Mm. But it gave me the option of leaving the hospital after five days. Uh -huh. So I, so for two weeks after I got out of the hospital, I had a nurse at my house who was putting the um, IV antibiotics in. So fast forward to about a month after that. So the end of April now, now the world is even more shut down and people are more upset about COVID and, and everybody's confused by it and scared. And the same thing happened to me. I literally went for a walk. I came back from my walk and it was like this massive bees stinging my breast. And I, I go into my closet and I'm like so mad. Mm. I, I go in my closet and I lift up my shirt and I was like, oh, like what? Mm. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. So I text a picture to my same story. I end up, go to the hospital. I drive myself to the emergency room. I'm in the hospital again for four days. Same exact scenario. One month later, they let me out of the hospital with antibiotics. Now, fast forward to June, where the where the world is even more shut down, even more afraid. <laughs> yeah. And I still haven't gotten COVID, although I've been in the hospital now for 10 days. I Now, fast forward to June, and I had traveled to go see my son, who I hadn't seen since COVID. And I'm flying back to Miami, and I just don't feel well. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm just tired. It's been a long travel day. And I get home, and I dump my luggage at the door. And I'm thinking to myself, I never dump my luggage at the door and I'm not even looking at my phone and I'm sure I have hundreds of emails and things that I have to attend to. And I'm not even looking at my phone. And all of a sudden I go into my bathroom because I want to take a shower. Cause you know, when you feel mucky from the airplane mm. and things like that and having a mask on all day. So I'm walking towards the shower and I'm trying to take off my shirt and I feel my shirt is sticking to my chest. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is, this, I can't believe I sweat this much on the airplane. This is weird. And so then I, I, I go to the other side, my right side, and there's no sweat. And I think to myself, well, this is a little weird. In the meantime, I'm starting to feel real, a lot, a lot sicker. So I pull off my shirt and now I see this green pus dripping down my chest all the way, all the way to my shoes. And what had happened was that infection from months, now months, had turned into a MRSA infection and had eaten a hole out of my breast through my, wow. through my skin. Oh, wow. So I literally texted a picture to my oncologist and to my breast surgeon and they want my oncologist FaceTime me because she wanted to see what I look like. And she, she FaceTime me and she's looking at me from her living room and she goes, I'm going to send an ambulance because I guess I was shockingly ill. And she said, I'm going to send an ambulance. And I was like, I'm not going to the hospital. I am so tired of you guys telling me that I'm fine and sending me home when I'm doing the work. I'm in the hospital. I'm taking the antibiotics and I'm doing everything you tell me to do. And then you send me home and tell me I'm fine. And now this is the third time. So ultimately I got over my pity party and I went to the hospital and within that was a Monday night at 7 PM within five hours, I could not lift my head up from the pillow I couldn't even open my eyes. I was so sick. I had 104 fever and they wheeled wow. me back. They wheeled me back into the, into the uh, operating room. And before they wheeled me back into the operating room, one of the nurses put these papers in front of me and she said, sign this. And I kind of, I kind of opened my eyes enough to look and it said mastectomy left side. And I was like, I can't be having a mastectomy. I already had breast cancer. I've already had a mastectomy. And she goes, just sign it. It's just for insurance reasons. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I, I was too sick to say to her, that's a label. And I'm not mm. going to accept that label from you mm. and be careful how you label people. But I was too sick to say anything. Yeah.
They wheel me back into the emergency, I mean, the operating room and they extracted both of everything, my chest, ca- my, wa- my everything, the cavity wall, the implant, which was soaked in infection and it, and I, I could have lost my life. So that was, that was a year ago. And so I have no, so if you see my chest, like there's no implants, there's no nothing, it's concave. Yeah. And, and so now I, now a lot of the interviews I've been doing are talking about like, how do you feel so comfortable just prancing around Miami mm-hmm. Beach with a tight shirt on? Because people are, people that are in this position aren't as comfortable as I am, but I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm unshakable in my self-esteem. I'm whole. Yeah. And whatever this looks like, mm-hmm. I, I'm good with that. It, it's not my first choice. It's yes. not what I signed up for, but this is what I look like. And I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am, yeah. what yeah. I look like, because society thinks I should look different. And yeah. so you got to, we have to just, you know, I think that judgment is, judgment goes back to our heart for one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is comparison is the root of damaging your self-esteem. Absolutely. It's the root of damaging your self-esteem. And when we compare ourselves to others in daily life, on social media, in anybody's journey, like, well, she suffered more than me, or I suffered more than her, or she had chemo, or she had the, whatever, that's comparison. Absolutely. That will strangle you. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I and I really want to make sure your listeners know you have to work on that. Uh, and I agree. And other people. Yeah. And I agree with you because that's exactly what I say to people. Don't look at someone else's story because it's not yours. It's not you yours. You don't have any idea. Like you no. not look at me and say, she's had 28 rounds of chemo. She's had yeah. 23 non-elective surgeries. She's in chronic pain. She was, yeah. the, you can't mm. you wouldn't know that. No. And so you can't judge somebody because you just don't know. Absolutely. out there. And you yeah. don't know how they got through it. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them. Ask them. If you want to know, ask. Yeah. Don't assume. I always right. say that. Don't assume. But I also, like you said, you know, um, that's the thing why I speak to people like yourself because right. I don't look at me. I'm one story. But right. there's this story, this story, this story, this story, this story, because I want the listeners and the viewers to, to, to really think about there is, like I say also as well, and I'm sure you did too, your breast cancer, if there was someone else who went through the same, or when I say the same, they went through also 15 months of chemo, it's so chalk and cheese to yours. So I always say that, don't compare your story, your journey to someone else's. Learn from them. Yeah. Take the tools, take the resources, but don't compare yourself, you know. So like you said, and and the thing is that's just, Wow, I'm so glad that you're here with us after <laughs> that last 12 months. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I really do. Personally, I really think wow, you know, Thank that you. because like you said, you can have courage, but every time life is knocking you, I call it the curveball. It's yeah. like life throws another curveball. How yeah. are you going to handle it? How yeah. are you going to handle it? So having said all of this, yeah. when you look of who you were before in your life and who you are now, what are the what are the things that you took from your old life and what are the things that you left behind other than the um obviously the external part like yeah. we were saying you know you know what you're going through but like you said you you put labels without no you don't know my story right so exactly. going back to that question so what did you have in your last you know the life before all of this and also the life now um what did you leave behind and what did you like sort of change well, you know, I think it's just been such an evolution of figuring out who I am. And now that I'm 50, um, and I was going, I went through breast cancer eight, nine years ago. Um, I just, I went from really just not knowing who I was. So it's not that I would ever discount who I was. I just didn't know who I was. And so what I left behind was a lot of that labels. Like I was attached to those labels. I was attached to the address, like the physical address. Like I wanted to live in a certain place and I wanted to carry a certain bag and I wanted to have certain labels in my closet and I wanted to have certain friends and, and all those things that I was like climbing for. 
that were so fleeting and emptying. And so my soul was searching for what was what mattered in life and what was important. And I couldn't figure it out because I was like, well, I was the guest model. I was on this billboard. I was, you know, in this magazine and I was all over the, you know, modeled in Europe and things like that. And I thought, why isn't that filling me up? Why doesn't that make me feel good about myself? And it's because that stuff doesn't. It's it's temporary. It's fleeting. That's not going to give me my self-worth. I mean, you can't... you. If you praise money, you can never have enough money. If you praise beauty, you'll never be as beautiful as you want. And so when I started to be rooted in faith and have this different self-esteem and different tape recorder that was going on in my head, like what I was saying to myself, then I was able to really figure out who was I and what did life mean for me? Mm. And so for me, I went from being very self-serving without even filling myself up to very serving. And so now what I do, is I'm a humanitarian. All I want to do is serve. I want to help other people. And, and going back, one thing I do want to talk on, going back to talking about like how we had a community of people, there are so many people that don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but here's what people can do. When I was going through chemo and I was sitting in that chemo chair week after week, I saw people that didn't have somebody. So you know what I did? I would go over with my, you know, with the port and the medicine going in me. And I would take it and sit next to somebody else. And so walking through our daily life every single day, we see people out on the street. We see people that need somebody to say hi to them and we can serve every day in so many different capacities. It doesn't have to be, you know, what we think about serving. It could just be like walking down the street and saying hello and how are you and actually paying attention to people. That's really what matters. And so, you know, I am a humanitarian. I'm on the board of these companies and I'm doing a lot of great work, but in my day-to-day walk, I'm trying mm-hmm. to help as many people as humanly possible because I know at the end of the day, tomorrow's promised to nobody. But if Absolutely. I can, but if I can help people each day mm-hmm. and when my time is up, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I and I agree with you because the thing is, you know, like you said, we had we had a business, we grew it and things like that. So like you said, I we had the cars, you know, I had the handbags, I had the jewelry, I had all of this stuff. But one thing that I I I am so grateful that I did then too was I I was giving. I was giving to charities, not not because of brownie points. I just right. happened to learn from a mentor that he said, if you've got the money, you know, give 10% of your pay or whatever it was. So I had this thing automatically going off in the background, so to I speak. So when I lost everything, um, <clears throat> And I'll never forget. I I, uh, I get an email, you know, um, and saying, "Oh, look, Grace, you know, you've you've donated X amount. This is where your money's going." But because it's part of Kiva, I'm not not sure if you've heard of that. Uh, Kiva is something like a third world countries where people who need, you know, their scooters, motors broken, they need two hundred dollars. It may take them five years to pay that back, but it's right. things like that. But what I was doing is when they were paying it back, I was like. Well, you know, and I and I still do this today, but I thought, wow, isn't it interesting? And I'll get to the point why I'm saying it in a minute. But I'm thinking, oh, this person paid me back. This person needs some money. I'm going to give this money to that person. So it's like if you want to talk about karma, it's like it's their karma. And I'm just the bank teller doing the transaction, right? Right. I'm giving goodness back to that person. So they're paying it forward to someone else. The reason I say this is because when I went through my own diagnosis and everything on my own breast cancer, it could have gone anyway. It could have gotten worse and whatever like that. And then I thought to myself, maybe I've been doing good so far, even a little bit, that I, and and I mean, you know, we don't say it because I mean, my husband is a Buddhist, but we don't say it because that's that's karma in itself and it's bad. But you don't go, I'm doing this because I can get good brownie points. But part of my brain thought, have I been looked after because I looked after, I served? So did spirit, God, look after me because I was already in some unconscious way serving others? Mm. But now. Like you said, I'm serving. I, I, um, so it's to me, it was <clears throat> more of it. So if I, if someone left with a smile after yeah. 
I've planted a seed and I'm sure you think the same way. Yes. That to me, I would come home days and my husband will go, how did you go? And I'm like, oh, my God, I had an amazing day. And he's like, wow, did you sell so much? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I know what I did. And he saw that. He saw that and he thought that's, that is who you are. That is who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And. Exactly. And I no mean, amount of money can put a, no. you know, a price on it. None. Yeah. I, yeah. I always like to say that I was happy in my, my previous life, you know, like yeah. 40, but I felt, I have felt joy since yeah. then. So those are the, de- that's definitely the difference. Absolutely. And, and I agree because the thing is, it's a different happiness because you hear about like to, to be happy, you have to make yourself happy. No one else can make yeah. you happy. Yeah. However, to make yourself happy it's to help others. Now, oh, excuse my cat. Oh, well, and I also, I, I do really believe that, you know, in life, you know, when I was living in the world of the modeling world, it was very transactional. And so mm. like, you do this for me and I'll do this for you. You know, if a photographer had a new client, he would say, well, if you do these pictures for me, I'll get you this client. And it was all very transactional. Yeah. And that's what I thought the world, that's how I thought the world lived. Right. And that's yeah. how I thought the world worked all mm-hmm. in all industries. And it turns out it doesn't. And it mm-hmm. should. Yeah. I don't do anything for anybody to get anything back. I Correct. do what I want to serve. And if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. Yeah. But again, I think that's also rooted in self-love and self in our my own self-journey. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of my success within myself is being able to say no to certain things because I have the confidence to say no, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could be, we could, I could go back into that transactional world all day long mm-hmm. you know? and, and it just, it's not serving me and it's not serving anybody actually. No, that's so right. Because in my background, um, I was in finance for more than 20 years, but when I remember when we were in, when I was in construction with my husband, you know, because I, I've hurt myself. I tore my ACL. I didn't want to go into into corporate world, I call it. Um, yeah. So my husband said, work in our office at construction. Yeah. And I remember going into the city of Melbourne. And I mean, I did this for 20 years, more than 20 years. I used to go into the city to work. I remember being there and all of a sudden it was like, oh, thank goodness I'm not doing that. Now, fast forward to when I got diagnosed. And like I said wow. before, we lost our company. Right. We lost everything. But at the same time, it was like, Oh, thank God I'm not doing that anymore because even with my husband, my husband's now a life coach. Mm. So he's always, it's quite funny because we used to go on site and my husband's coaching people. Wow. You know, know, so. Yeah, yeah, so already he had that. And because I was in the office working on my own, I didn't really get to express, you know, who I really was deep within. But life, life is like Christine. I'm giving yeah. you a feather. I said, <laughs> All right. I'm give- it gave you a whole turkey and you still were like, yeah. I don't- what's going on? But yeah. it's because you're resilient. It's because there is something that God, I know you're religious. God I am believes. <laughs> it believes. No, and, and I love it. But yeah. God, I call it great spirit, but in but God believes that you are, you yeah. are. So it gives you, it gives you for you to be able to serve others with it. And someone else might look at it and think, oh, the poor girl is suffering. Well, in a way we're all suffering. But, you know, in your case, I think it's because you have, you have, you are. I can't put it in words because it's like you you are. I, I can just say it as that because you know, and you have what it takes to be you and you need you in this world. Thank you. That's a great compliment. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I get it. I get what you're saying too. You know, I do have a big, you know, I have a big following on social media and stuff and people people encourage me all the time because they say what you're doing, people aren't doing. And and that, but that's my courage net that fuels me as well. Mm-hmm. And so I have the vulnerability and I have the courage to go out and do more and be more because I'm being attended to, right? Yep. So just by saying that, I really, that encourages me. So thank you. 
Yeah, and like you know, and like my mentor who lives around the corner from you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sat yeah. right at him for me. Yeah. Um, but as he says, as as Anthony or Tony Robbins says, your mess becomes your message, exactly. and it's you have the right yeah. to not the right you must share it. Yes, you well, must share your story. Yeah. So the thing is, it's saying don't keep what you have because, like you just said, you've got a huge following, which is yeah. fantastic. But whether you help one person or whether you've yes. helped a hundred thousand, yes. I know you'll feel that like I've done my job. I've done what I'm meant to do. I'm I'm serving. Well, the a couple of things. The only reason I say I have a big following now is because I have been so vulnerable with my story, mm. and people want to hear that. That's the only reason I have a following at all. The second thing is, is that Tony, you know, I have a couple like life sayings, which mm. is one, the name of my book, which is walk beside me because we mm -hmm. do need people to walk beside us. Um, but the other thing is there's always purpose in pain, but we do have to choose, right? It's a choice, yes. share it. Yeah. But so many people are afraid mm. or they're, they feel unworthy that nobody will listen or people will reject them. Yes. But what, but why, what I can say with confidence is people want to hear your story because they don't want to feel alone. And when you share your journey, that makes other people feel safer about yeah. their own suffering. And so you're really helping other people by sharing your own story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just touching on that walk beside me, um, the book, it's quite funny because I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know the story and uh, this is how close it is because I'm going to grab it. This is how close it is, right? But when I looked at this and it said walk beside me and you've got footprints in the sand. I love that prayer. Yeah. I have it right beside ah, me. Ah! I have it right. Look at that. I'm not yeah. lying. It's there. I don't know if you can see it. So happy. This, uh, look, I, I've got a long sleeve top on, but I've just got goosebumps because this one here, this prayer, I've known since oh, I was probably, yes, Me and too. I've had that um, since when? I think I was 12 or 13 years old and I just turned 50 myself. So yeah. that's been there, like I've always, I have one here, I have one on my um, my fridge in the kitchen, I, um, I have one in my room, and I use one that I I, I travels when I go into oh, books. Oh, that's so beautiful! You know, book, yeah, because that to me, and yeah. that's as soon as I picked up your book, that's exactly what I thought. I saw footprints in the sand. Amazing! That's so good. That's you exactly know, yeah. That was my idea. That was oh my wow! Idea. Oh wow! Yeah. See, I didn't know. I just looked at it and I thought, oh, that's footprints in the sand. Yeah, you know, exactly. and walk beside me is such a great metaphor. Thank you. For God, for people, for family, for friends, mm -hmm. you know, for, for your, your team, yeah. your community. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, so when I read that, I was like, well, that's what it reminds me of. It's like she didn't walk alone. Right. She was always held. Like when you were at your, and in the, like, you know, footprints, when you're at your lowest, yeah. you're being carried. Right. And, I, and that's what's always gotten me through as well, because when I think of my lowest, I know that I'm carried. Yes. I'm no, I know there's someone, you know, I, I always say great spirit is guiding me. It's yes. protecting me. Yeah. Yes. You know, I love things that. like that. Yeah, absolutely. But is there anything you wanted to touch on? I, I mean, as I said, I love this book. I Thank love you. this book. And Thank the you. link the for the uh, for Amazon will be um, it'll be attached in the podcast, so people can actually go and purchase it. And like I think I said, one thing that I would like to really hone in on mm -hmm. is, you know, when I think about self esteem and I think about self love, it's yeah. easy to say, right? Okay, mm -hmm. I have a great self esteem now. But it's harder for people to understand that. And so I'll just give you a couple examples. What we listen to in our own head will dictate our self-esteem. Yeah. So I can walk around and say, you know what? I'm really not that worthy and I'm really not that smart and I'm really not that gifted and I shouldn't have been on that podcast. Why did she ask me? And why does Fox News want to, it's, you know, that's, that's not me. They didn't really know me. Or... I can walk around and be like, of course she asked me to be on this podcast because I have value to add. Of course I'm worthy because I know who I am, right? And 
and all those other things, those are totally different scenarios, but it's the same person. Mm. So when we, when it starts from within, and so if we tell ourselves that we are worthy, if we are tell ourselves that we are gifted, if we tell ourselves we're uh, knowledgeable, then we will believe that and our body's listening to us. And so, and I'll give you one step further. Then we have to start listening to what other people are telling us. Mm. And so for me, my doctor was telling me that that pain in my arm was in my head. And he was telling me that I was making it up and I was a hysterical housewife. Well, I wasn't, but it turns out that there was an infection there, <laughs> but I was listening to him over myself and that cost me dearly. And so we have to remember that we have to listen to ourselves first, and then we take that information and we can listen to other people. But if there's people in your life that are tearing you down or pushing you down or not cheering you on, we have to kindly and gently let those people go out of our lives. And, yeah. and the last thing is I would be very careful about what you listen to in media, on the news, in podcasts, in social media, and who you follow makes a big difference with your self-esteem. And so if we listen to, and we follow people that uplift us, respond to us, give us value um, then we're, we're, our self-esteem is going to be built on a day-to-day -day basis. And I also believe that self-esteem needs to be nurtured every single day. It's like a muscle. You go work out yeah. in the gym because you're working on your muscles. You go to school, you read, you play chess, you do activities because you're working on your brain. We mm -hmm. have to work on our self-esteem. And so those are the things that I would really hope people would listen to because had my self-esteem never shifted, I would not be here talking to you today. It's that important. We have to build that foundation. Absolutely. I agree. Like, honestly, I don't know if you could see me. I was doing this in the background <laughs> because I agree 10,000% because that's exactly what I say to people. You know, yes. the thing is you would never become friends with how your mind talks to you. You would exactly. never have that as a friend. Exactly. So when I say to people um, that I stand, and the thing is when I hear people actually write to me and say, Grace, I did that and it felt so liberating, yes, it took ages. Like you said, it, it you have to nurture yourself because mm -hmm. you've listened to um, so much out there telling you you're this, you're not that, you're, this, you're, you're in this box, you're not in that box, yes. you go under yes. this category, you go yes. under the image. So Already you've got labels and I actually really, I mean, like you said, we're both in the, our 50s now and thank goodness in a way we didn't yeah. have social media like they do now because yeah. I'm, I fear the younger generation who, oh, if, unless I lift up my top, I'm not going to get X amount of likes. Um, but if yeah. I sit there and I just do this, no one's going to like me. And right. I think to myself, that is, thank God I didn't have that. But we did right. already have like you said, you know, I looked up to supermodels. Yeah. Sure. I looked up to women of power. I looked up to yeah. women who had money and, yeah. you know, oh, this is what life is about. I have to have money. I have to have a good body um, yeah. and I have to be this certain way because if I'm not, then I'm just a loser. So, you know, you grow up because, like you said, you've got the news yeah. that are always throwing it in your face that you're not yeah. good enough. Listen exactly. to me. I know better than you, things like that, you know. Um, and then you grow up thinking that's who you are until your inner self, what I call my true self, goes, no. I always say disclaimer, for my journey, I went to Peru and I did some work with shamanic um, plant medicine work. Really? And while I was in Peru, yeah. So while I was in Peru, I get really bad psoriasis because it's humidity. Wow. And I'm sitting there scratching that the, the locals are thinking this girl's face is about to drop off. Oh no. Um, so they were putting creams the same color as my top. So you can ah. see the difference in color. And I would walk around like, you know, with this cream. When I got back home, um, I cut it all off. My husband said, do you want to cut your hair off? I said, please. And he said, yeah. cut it all off. No one knew. Like right. the new, the people, my my uh, immediate family and friends knew I had cancer, but no one else knew. So when they said, oh, my goodness, Grace, you cut your hair. And then I would say, oh, yeah, I cut it, you know, I cut it all off because it was driving me crazy. And then I'd say, oh, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. You, the judgmental because oh, yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you're judged. Yes. And it's like, I don't need that because then your self-esteem oh, yeah. gets pushed. 
Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. I've got short hair now. So, oh, well, I must be dying. I must be getting sick. Yeah, if everyone's thinking short hair, short hair or no hair represents you're dying of cancer. Yeah. Oh, well, I must be. Then it gets lowered Absolutely. and lowered to the point where you're looking within to yeah. find yourself. Yeah, that's right. You know? Um, and and then, like you said, the second point that you, you touched on again is I say to people, my surgeon, one of the questions which I'm going to ask you as well, one of the questions and what she said is get a second opinion. Now, my GP, my local doctor, I said I want, a, I want another opinion and he picked up the phone, he Googled this lady, whether he put best surgeon in Melbourne or I don't know, wow. but he picked up the phone and he rings up and this lady sees me within a day, a day later. She's so busy. She's well-known. She's a well-known breast surgeon here in Australia. But that's the second opinion, and I so agree because I wasn't sitting right. For some reason, yeah. when my doctor, the first one, said, this is what I want to do, I'm like, I don't feel right. I didn't feel right. right. So that's why I always say to people, get a second opinion. Yeah. And if anything, it was my husband who stopped me from signing the papers from my first surgeon. In Italian, because my husband's Italian, he said to me, Grace, don't sign anything. And I remember looking over to him thinking, which planet are you on? Did you not just wow. hear that she said I had cancer and I've got to do this? I've got to, because she wanted to do what they call an auxiliary clearance of my lymph nodes. That's where they take all your lymph I nodes know. away. Yeah. 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 I know. So I, I didn't need that unless wow. it's necessary. Of course. So things like this, you yes. know, and I'm thinking. I'm looking at him thinking, have you lost your mind? Good but for it him. Was the biggest, exactly. Good it was, he pulled me back and what went, wait, yeah. wait. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying to people to wait, but I always say pull back. You know, because, and, and that's yeah. what I say. And like yourself, I'm sure you do too, where you say to people, okay, all right, just take a step back, breathe. Yeah. yeah. And look at it. Now, you have more experience than no, I, I have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So for you, it's yeah. you would see the, if someone ever was to approach you, whether it's someone in your inner circle or whether it's a, uh, someone in your on social media, they will approach you. You would see where it's something like, you know what, I think this person needs to. Yeah look at this this way or, yeah, you know what, I've – and it's not your saying, oh, look, do it my way because it's, right. it's the best way. But you can say, guys, don't go through 10 years or 20 right. years of this. Right. Oh, it's been 10 years since your operation now, hasn't it? More it's, than 10 years? It's been 10 years, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've you've had that experience, you know what I mean? And you're sort of going, guys, I've been there, I've done that. Right. So what I could do now is I can show you this path. Learn from my error. Learn from yes. So I really like how you said that because your the self-esteem is definite. Yeah. Definite. Critical. So you know what I mean? This, but it takes time. It yeah. takes belief and it, it, when you find your true self like you do like you can yeah. say no yes like the word no is amazing exactly. <laughs> feels so good to go no yeah exactly <laughs> I send you love but you know uh, but no. no yeah exactly so um but you know the thing is to is there anything else you wanted to touch on or you wanted to mention I no I I think we're, I think I'm good. I'm very okay. thankful that we yeah. were able to share our stories today. It's always, always a privilege. Always. Thank you. And, and, and it's an honor for me, honestly. Uh, like I said to my husband, I said, I'm so nervous. Um, but I'll ask you the final question. If there was three questions you can think of, any woman should ask their doctor, what would they be? Well, I think the most important <laughs> now, <laughs> I look back and like, why didn't I ask this? I think when you are making your decisions on treatment, ask your doctor what the side effects are going forward. And so, I, for instance, I've had a lot of uh, really major side effects to the chemo that I had eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So I lost three teeth after chemotherapy. I have a liver I have liver damage, not a lot, but a little. 
and I have, I have a heart issue because of it. And I also had some issues with my eyes. And so when I was presented with chemo, of course they don't tell you any of this. And so I, if I had to go back, I would say to my doctor, okay, what are the long-term side effects of this Mm -hmm. amount of chemotherapy? And you know what? I probably would have said to them after like six months, I think we're good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, so that's a good question to ask. And and that was one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So ask your doctor. So I guess the second one would be to ask your doctor, like, you know, if there's a support network within the community that he serves. Mm. Um, And I think that's really important because when I was going through cancer, there was not a community, but, and, and my friends were great. And I don't get me wrong. I would never dismiss what they did for me, but none of them had been through it. Yeah. And so I didn't have a community within the breast cancer community, which is also why I like to be a a breast cancer advocate because I want people, I want to be accessible to people. So I would be, that would be the second, second question. Is there a breast cancer community within this hospital, within this medical system? Um, and the third question I would ask is, is there a, are there nurses? Is there a foundation here where we can, we can have like emotional support because a lot of times, well, I don't know one person that hasn't dealt with emotional trauma Mm -hmm. after being diagnosed, but a lot of medical hospitals, a lot of medical um, groups have therapists and stuff that they, mm. that they will give you as a service. And so I didn't have that either. And I wish that I had. And so those are the three questions I would ask. Yeah. Wow. And that, and it's so important, like you said, because, you know, speaking to other women who have gone through that, they tell me themselves, you know, they say, oh yeah. Oh, I've caught, they call it fog brain, yeah, um, chemo. chemo brain, uh, you know, they forget things, you know, or yeah, yeah all these other side effects that they don't tell you about. Exactly. Um, and like you said, and, and that support system, because when I look at, um, and again, it's, I, I didn't need to have them for my case, but I know it's out there. And Dr. Chantal, who's my surgeon, Dr. Chantal Thornton, she actually is big. And I'm so grateful because I finally found someone in that field, not like us coming from this side, but she's right. in the field. And she's all about dieting, exercising. Yeah. Uh, moving yeah she wants women to come in here strong but strong for themselves because the more because one thing she actually did tell me which which is is in my podcast was women who get operated who was highly stressed yes when they're getting the lumpectomy done or something else there is a higher chance of the cancer spreading if wow. they're stressed and I thought Oh my God, I never knew that. Right. I never knew that. So she's saying that a lot of a lot of doctors actually prescribe their patients like high blood pressure tablets to keep things like mellow. Yeah. So while they get operated, you know, and I thought, isn't it crazy? Because she was saying that people are I I get it, you're fearful, you're scared. You're highly strung, but now I hear from you. And that's why the world needs more people like yourself, because you, like you said, you're an advocate. You've been through it. Right. Thank you. You've done that. You've been through that. So I really, really, really appreciate having you on. Um, Is there another book coming out? There is. Um, It's a sequel. (gasps) Yes. I am publishing it this fall, so I will definitely let you know. Absolutely. And I did hear a little rumour, or it wasn't a rumour because it came out of your mouth, so I won't call it a rumour, but I heard that there's a possibility or it is in the making that they're making a movie of your book. They are. Yeah, they are making it. It's been in the works for three years and, yeah, they, they were supposed to start filming right when COVID happened and so it's been pushed away a little bit, but yeah, there is a film. It's coming. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my it, God. oh my God. I'm so excited. It's called Willow, the feature film. So it's the main character's name, Willow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be on, yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that. Oh my, definitely. I'll, don't worry. I'll be in touch with you. But yeah. the thing is, um, because again, it's a blessing. Yeah. Like I was saying before, these are your blessings. Yeah. And sometimes you need to go through this to find your blessings, to see your blessings. Well, to be honest with you, um, I actually, when I 
when I go through these different stages of my life, since I've published the book, I will pick up my book and I will encourage myself. And I use my own book to do it. Wow. And I say to myself, remember how this, or remember that. And and I use it as a tool for for my own self. So on that note, I am forever grateful and I am honored. I am so honored to have had you on my podcast. Um, I can't wait to get the new book. I follow you um, all the time and I watch you and I just wish you the best and so much goodness, so much like amazing uh, life ahead. I know you're a mother and I, I wish all of the best. Thank you. Um, also with with your children Thank and you. with your life in general. And I am jealous you live in Miami, <laughs> but I won't hold that against you. But thank you again so much for being on my podcast. Well, Did you want to have any? Have you got thank anything you. to say? Uh, well, I I one of my best things that I always tell myself is let go and let God. And when I did, when I let go and let God, then God really showed me what my path was and and that's changed my life. So whatever that means to you, just let mm-hmm. it go, let it happen. Absolutely. There are things that you can't control. And again, that's yeah. another another prayer, the serenity prayer. Exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> I really appreciate everything. And if you do end up having this beautiful movie come out and there's a premiere in Australia, make sure you come out. I will. For sure. Or if you want to come to Australia, come and visit me. I will. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much. Much love. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today. And I'm really grateful and humble that you've chosen me instead. And I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Hero's Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.